Welcome into another episode of the Young Terps podcast. Terps football right around the corner. Our first Wednesday show of the season. We're going to focus on expectations for the year rather than the Towson games. I think that one's uh, all but all but a final score up on the board at CQ Stadium this week alongside Ahmed Gafir and Wayne Viner hopping on for this preview episode. Gents, let's start it off. Expectations are high for the Terps. Um, I guess higher than they've been I would almost say my entire life. Yeah, uh, definitely for me. I mean, probably the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, uh, I would definitely say that, you know, expectations are high. Um, I think fans kind of waiting to see that next step. Um, yeah, I think it's a, obviously an exciting year, obviously, when you bring back uh, Talia Tagovailoa, who, uh, you know, we talked about it last episode. You know, Maryland fans always wanted to see that stability at the quarterback. And, you know, you have that. You have a guy that's uh, reset the record book, Chip Deshaun Jones, uh, in his sixth year. So I think there's just a lot of pieces, Jay Sean Barham, Bo Breed, a lot of pieces back that, you know, uh, left a pretty sizable dent into last year's production uh, that are back leading the way this year. Hey, I remember in a long time ago, I'm the old Terp on the young Terps. Hey, I remember when they were ranked number one in the sporting news, you know, all the way back. So, yeah, I've been around for some seasons that, that went well and the expectations were there. But for me, and recently, you guys are right, this is the chance. When you read an Ohio State website and it says Maryland has a chance to be 5-0 and when they get to Columbus, that's pretty good. So, yeah. It's not just Maryland that thinks they're going to be good. It's the rest of the Big Ten. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's a big topic uh, for Maryland. I mean, do, if you look back when they joined the conference at, at the media coverage that that received in, in terms of where Maryland football was going to line up with the Big Ten being so and still is so football centric to where they are now, it, it's it's crazy how they just they had hit rock bottom. You know, they were kind of in after the Jordan McNair situation, everybody thought, I think Maryland football was, was over that it was done. I mean, I don't think you could get much worse than that situation. And, and over the time with Michael Oxley, I mean, his first season, all the hype that came with those first couple of wins, then absolute disaster with the temple and Penn state games and kind of just a steady program building rise that, that you're now going to see. And we talked about it in the last show, you have guys that have been in this program for three years, all under the same staff that need to step it up. And, and it comes with, comes with the expectation of top 40 recruiting classes over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I also think Loxie talked about it today again. Um, you know, he, when he talked about um, just the fact that, you know, he went through fall camp and this was, you know, the, really the first clean fall camp for them. Uh, and I think, you know, he credited uh, a lot of the returning guys, a lot of the guys that are kind of bought in, you know, the, the ability to, be locked in for football 24 seven through camp. And, you know, he said that, you know, this was, he didn't have any issues or anything like that. Um, so I think just obviously, you know, with the, the player driven side of everything, I think that that kind of um, helps, helps bode well for the, the confidence and the expectations kind of going into the year. So I think, uh, I think it'll be kind of interesting to see maybe how, how all that uh, settles out. Well, Mason, you talked about actually having your guys. And it's not a mix of people who were there before it's guys that, and then some people left, like your Chop Robinsons. But now he's got what looks like his guys. And there's some guys that he recruited before that didn't come to Maryland, like Phillips at the nose tackle, that, that showed up because they want to – I guess they want to really play for Mike. I guess they really fit together. Now, every time from Randy Etzel's all the way through today, people say, oh, I have a really great team. And then Mark Turgeon and everybody else, that first couple of press conferences – is the best team. They all get get along together. They're all best friends, and then the season starts. But in this case, because Maryland has this ramp up in the season from Towson to Charlotte to Virginia, and then it gets hard in a hurry. You have to go to Michigan State. But if you can win those first three games, get a win of Michigan State, and beat Indiana at home, well, now you really have a season. And I I've said this before. It's a five-game season for me. You've got to get – if you really want to say that you've gotten someplace, you got to get to Ohio State undefeated. And then in a short period of time, you get Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. And that's a lot to win. But it's not impossible to finally get one of those games. So when you talk about expectations, I'm not talking about going 12-0. Just talking about getting – I'll go for 8-9. to nine. If you can get to eight games but play really well, in those monster games against the Hall of Fame teams, you've done something. If you can get that ninth win, well, now now you've really set the standard. 
but as you've talked about, and I'll throw it back to you guys, the offensive line is the one place that doesn't seem to add up to getting nine wins. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've talked about it a lot on the show, and and you kind of ran through the schedule there, which is something that we'll get to in full length. But you have your question marks across the board for Maryland, and it's always can they compete in the trenches? Can they stop the run well enough to compete in big games? And and they're going to play two teams mainly that, that I'll highlight now, which is Penn State and Michigan, two teams that have fantastic running backs, have returning offensive line talent, not at least on the Penn State side, in my opinion, not going to kill you throwing the ball, but every expert seems to think that Drew Aller um, might be able to finally get it done for James Franklin. And then, I mean, that Michigan team is just a monster. They're a monster up front. They have great running backs. That offense returns so much talent. And and I really think that they're positioned to finally break through possibly all the way this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about Maryland's offensive line, obviously um, DJ Glaze is, is that lone guy that comes back. Um, you know, I was out of practice for, for on, uh, on on Tuesday for um, as Maryland shifts their attention over to Towson and Kyle Biedzi, uh, who was you know expected to be that right tackle, uh, is the second trade media session that uh, we have been to that guy is not uh, in practice, not in pads uh, with Connor Fagan. Uh, filling in that role, uh, Mike Purcell obviously taking over at center after uh, enrolling in the summer. Uh, Corey Bullock uh, taking over at left guard. Um, DJ Glaze, as I mentioned, back at uh, left tackle, uh, and then Emilio Moran at right guard. Um, so I think you know there's a lot of guys in Loxie. You know we we've talked about it before, but you know just Loxie when he said that a lot of these guys, you know they may not have experience playing together, but you know a lot of these guys they've had experience. You know whether it's within the program, within guys like you know uh, Moran and, and Glaze, or guys that you know Corey. Bullock uh, you went elsewhere and, you know, played major roles for starters last year or in years prior uh, leading into Maryland. So um, I think, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about the schedule, but I think, uh, you know, for this offensive line, I think the biggest thing is, um, and, you know, if there is one thing you can kind of take away from this weekend is just for that offensive line to really start to gel again. Um, I think obviously in camp, you know, through the first two scrimmage or the two scrimmages, uh, you know, I reported, you know, defensive line, you know, defense overall, you know, they look good and, you know, defense was kind of able to control the offensive line. So um, I just think obviously the, the ability for this unit to go against uh, new blood this weekend, uh, obviously get new film, just kind of get that chemistry down. Uh, I think that's the big thing. Um, and again, you know, kind of it, it, it builds well, you know, going into Charlotte next week, going into Virginia, um, Virginia, you know, I don't think that it's not like uh, it's not like they're a pushover. I think, you know, Virginia has some some talent in that front seven. Uh, Michigan State, you know, I was just actually just talking to a coach maybe 20 minutes ago and said the same thing. I think Michigan State in that front seven, you know, they can test it. So the reason why I bring all that up and I know we'll, we'll talk about the schedule a little bit as well, but I think Mar- that Maryland's offensive line will get a little bit of tough tests early. Um, and I think, you know, when Loxie talked about going through fall camp, you know, he's got a chance to see what type of team he has this year. And that's why he's confident. But for the fans and for the coaches, what the first couple of weeks can show is, you know, how can this offensive line fare going into uh, after Indiana, it ramps up in a big way with Ohio state right up next. Uh, so I think uh, I, I feel confident elsewhere across the board, but um, you know, it's been, you know, beaten to death throughout camp. You know, this this Maryland team will go as far as it's off the line. Yeah, I think that's fair. Let, let's dig into the schedule a little bit. Terp started off this Saturday. Towson coming to town. 3.30 kickoff. So for all of you that hate the noon kicks, Terps avoid it, despite the fact they have Towson coming in. Um, you hit the noon kickoffs. This might be your season. I think it is. I mean, $99 yeah. season tickets, limited noon kickoffs. I think they have a lot of good selling points for, for this year in, in terms Herb of that. Spread. Yeah, I mean, they, they've really brought it in terms of marketing. I, I will yeah. give them props where it's due. The Maryland tickets in Costco now, something that everyone's been looking for. I'm not sure if they've sold any of them, but they're there. Um, hey, Mace, if you buy them at Costco, do they come like 20 to a pack? Or can you actually no, just they're, get they're actually to- more expensive than the $99 season ticket promo that they ran. So you get you get your tickets at Costco, but you don't get like the Costco style deal. So I, I guess they missed somewhere along that. Mm-hmm. Towson, well, b- back to football. Towson rolls into town, transitional year for the Tigers uh, after a longtime head coach Rob Ambrose steps aside. Uh, we missed Piggy by one year being a Towson Tiger, but a lot of questions for uh, Towson this season. Very much a transitional year. I really almost feel bad for them coming into this game. 
Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, Loxie talked about it and, uh, you know, Pete Shinnick, he's taken over as the head coach there. Obviously, you know, transitional year, but uh, Shinnick has done a really good job. You know, he went to West Florida, he won D2 championship, I believe in his second year there. Um, but forgive me, can't remember the stop prior, but, you know, had rampant successes there as well. Um, so he's going to come in. And I think, you know, uh, Bo Brady even talked about it. You know, there's kind of some intrigue, Joshon Jones, you know, watching you know, some Towson tape last year to maybe familiarize with some of the personnel. And then you're watching some West Florida tape to kind of familiarize yourself with the scheme a little bit. So I do think the uncertainty, uh, I think that will kind of be an interesting test, uh, how the defense will adapt. Obviously, this is a veteran defense. Um, so, you know, can Towson, can they, you know, get an early surprise or two against Reynolds defense? Uh, we talked a lot about adjustments, things like that. How quickly can they adjust? So I think those are a couple of small things. But again, you know, Towson, I think, uh, you know, we, we said it at the beginning of the show. And I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, Maryland will get a chance to work out a little bit of the depth this uh, this, this weekend. But uh, I think Towson uh, in, in maybe a year or two could be uh, singing a very different tune. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the Towson of old possibly come back. The Towson that, you know, was pushing for an FCS championship at one point possibly come back. I think that that's a good look for football and in, in, in this area. And they give a lot of a lot of local players a chance. I, and I agree with you. You'll see. I'm intrigued to see what what Towson actually brings out in terms of an offense. You have a coach that's run the true old fashioned air raid every stop that they've been. Towson, if you looked at anything that they did last year, the year before, really while Ambrose was the coach, it was not an air raid offense. So in terms of personnel, it might be a year or two. But again, a guy that's been known for some quick turnarounds at multiple stops. So th that is something to keep an eye on. And and they brought in, I mean, the roster turnover there has been equal to what you see in D1 program when when coaching staffs change. Yep, definitely, definitely valid. But I think it'll be interesting to see uh, see how that fares out. And it's the clearly the Mike Loxley game, played at Towson, coaching at Maryland, so he, he gets to play his alma mater. And and that's all I have on this one. <laughs> yeah, then a uh, much more familiar team rolls around, another team that's changed, uh, I believe, 20-plus roster spot turnover year over year. Charlotte rolls into town. Uh, a revenge game for many Maryland fans that are out there, but uh, definitely some some trash talking going on. Ahmed, I know you mentioned that last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple chip shots here and there. Uh, but, yeah, I think it is going to be interesting. I mean, I think Charlotte, they obviously were able to infuse their talent with, you know, a lot of power five ba bounce backs. Um just they don't I just don't think they really have the depth you know maybe you know they they hang for a quarter or two uh you know a lot of these guys will definitely be jacked up to play Maryland uh and maybe coach against Maryland uh, so yeah I, I just again I don't think that Charlotte has the the, the depth to uh really challenge Maryland here but um you know I, I think it'll be maybe a little bit closer maybe a little bit more uh nerve-wracking than than what I expect this weekend but uh nonetheless I, I do expect Maryland to take care of business in this one yeah, Maryland, uh, you know, went to Charlotte last year, and we got a chance to walk around there, and and got pretty close to the Charlotte players as we were walking in the stadium, and they were quite unhappy with the state of things last year. So maybe they're a little happier this year, but it's going to be hard to be happy when you're ranked about 130th in the country, and they really are ranked in the bottom five. So that that's uh, that's not too good, and Biff is going to have his work cut out there. Yeah, damn, that and, sucks, Biff. Yeah, and he he had a great run at Gilman, and I know that uh, that doesn't count for much. He goes off to Michigan, and now he's back here as the head coach at Charlotte, and I expect another big Maryland win, and on to UVA. Yeah, the one thing that I'll throw out there, I mean, I think you left out what I think most people have the most anger about, which was his tenure at SFA, but it has to be, you know, you have that many guys come in, guys from bigger programs, from schools where football matters, they get down to Charlotte, and you almost it has echoes of like last chance you for a lot of these guys. For those of you that watch that show, I mean, it, it's that this, this is it. I mean, you're either there as in the case of a handful of the former Maryland guys, they never got on the field here. And then you have, you know, you throw in like your Jakai Greens who just couldn't break through in the rotation. And you have a handful of guys that, that have played in those positions. The biggest thing, and it's, of course, in these early season games, you always want to focus on what your team does best and, of course, win the game is – you mentioned, you know, some chip shots. What do we see in terms of Maryland's discipline? Have they improved any in that area? Are they going to fall for antics possibly pregame, during the game, after the game? 
and put themselves in a bad spot moving forward going into that Virginia game? Or has Michael Oxley and Ryan Davis kind of broken through finally and we won't see 15-yard penalty after 15-yard penalty? Because you know, you almost kind of yeah. know it's going to come from the other side. So yeah. you have to have that strong mindset. You know, Locks talks about it all the time, but can he finally get through to his guys? Yeah, that, I think I was actually something that I, maybe I kind of overlooked. So, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, obviously, you know, we've seen some some issues with that, you know, over the years. I think less and less, you know, maybe since year one versus year four. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, emotions are going to be high in that one. And uh sounds like St. Francis, the majority of the team, will, will try and make their way to campus as well. So, um, so yeah, that'll be interesting for that game. Certainly will. And then the Terps get some Friday night lights, a spot that's been bad for Maryland football over the past couple of years. But it's a blackout game. Virginia comes to town. Uh, UVA, I mean, talked about two programs that have have new coaches coming in. Virginia, a, a year ahead of that, but also in the same spot in a similar area. A lot of roster turnover coming. A lot of question marks right now for uh, Tony Elliott's squad at UVA. But Ahmed, you mentioned it. I mean, they have some players. They've recruited some talent from the area and outside of it. And a lot of Terps fans kind of written this one off as a W. I see it as could be competitive. Don't think into the fourth quarter, but definitely first half. Yeah, I think Virginia's defense, I think they have a couple pieces. I think Jameer Carter, I think he's a guy. Um, if the name rings a bell, he's a, a former uh, standout from Spalding. Uh, Maryland actually tried to flip him late. Uh, I think it was just kind of the relationships and UVA, the strength of their academics. I think that was just kind of a big selling point for him. And obviously uh, he's been able to do well. Uh, he's continued to expand into his role down in Charlottesville. So um, I think he's obviously, he's one of those guys. I just think it'll be uh, a you know a chance for, for Maryland's um, starters to see a little bit more competition and probably, you know, their first real heavy dose of competition, I think. Um, so I think it'll be uh, kind of a, an easy one, but um, I, I do, I do expect Maryland to take care of business. I think uh, offensively for Virginia, um, I'm not sure that they have the firepower to to match with Maryland. This is a game that the Maryland fans want. These are the type of games that bring back that ACC echo. I agree with Mason. When you put Maryland on at night in in odd uniforms with this blackout thing something usually goes wrong. The last time I can remember something going right, Maryland debuted the Maryland Pride look and beat Miami in what must have been 15 years ago on uh, Labor Day weekend. But, yeah, I'm just scared because of the time and the place and the goofy uniforms. I really was hoping they were going to stick to the – since they just went back to the script, just stick to your red and your white and sure you come out all red on homecoming, and, and that's good. But, you know, we continue. So this is the black look. There's a gold out look against Penn State later. So uh, this isn't uniform talk. We can do that later in the year. But, yeah, I think Maryland's going to beat Virginia. And that sets up what I think is your one of your first big tests is can you take this show on the road and can you get your first win at Michigan State? Yeah, I just pulled up the Virginia schedule just out of interest of who they've got. I know they have Tennessee week one. Then they have James Madison, which I think is they're not going to be favored. I'm almost certain about that. JMU is, is not really a team to schedule as your cupcake on the list. Then they have Maryland, and you start looking down the list, and they finally get William and Mary on October 7th. I mean, they might have a chance against Boston College. Other than that, Louisville, Georgia Tech in a transition year, things could be bad in Charlottesville this year. They were not good last year, but they could get really ugly really fast. I mean, if you get to – Owen four with William and Mary coming to town at that point, yeah. who knows what can happen? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think it's the, the Virginia team um, and, and, you know, just the, even the, the momentum on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think there's just a lot of question marks about uh, Tony Elliott, which is really surprising because, you know, he was mm-hmm. a guy before, before he got that to Charlottesville, you know, he was a guy, a lot of people looked at and said, you know, he's probably one of those guys that should, should be deserving of a, of a head coaching job. So uh, yeah, definitely very interesting. And I mean, even when you think about just like a recruiting footprint, I mean, they're, they're really losing left and right to guys. I mean, even, you know, Christian Martin, you know, Maryland went head to head with them. Uh, and, you know, in the spring early on, you know, Virginia was, you know, pretty comfortable spot and uh, Maryland was kind of able to, you know, chip away at the end. And um, so I think, yeah, there, there are a lot of, a lot of concerns about, you know, what the, what the early tenure early returns are from uh, the Tony Elliott era. 
Yeah, and then it's it's time for the big boys to start rolling into town, but the Terps actually first will take a trip up to East Lansing, a spot where they've gotten close uh, a couple times but just have not broken through against Michigan State. Uh, for me, this one, this is like the game. If you want to circle one in the early season, a game that I feel like we can talk about now that actually what we say will still be relevant come game time, this is – this is the one. And I think for Michigan State, this is, I mean, talk about teams that have gone up and down. Michigan State football is, is one that just spikes up and down. And, and this would tend towards the uptrend if you look at their last 10 years of playing football. But one that I think both programs are going to look at and have circled on the schedule saying we need to win this game to prove that we're back. And in Michigan State's case and to prove that, hey, we're here to play and we're not to be messed around with in Maryland's case. Yeah, I think obviously, um, you know, I think beyond it being Maryland's first road game, and I think that in itself is a huge test for Maryland. I think that will, in my eyes, will be the first true test for this Maryland team and say, hey, you know, like how, how good can this team really be this season? Um, but beyond that, I think, you know, Michigan State, you know, they they have they pose some threats in the front seven uh, against Maryland. So, again, I think Maryland's offensive line, I think that'll probably be, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned UVA. They have some some ability to, you know, generate some pressure. Michigan State probably has uh, the same, if not more, uh, ability and you know, different more pieces uh, to kind of confuse and, and maybe overpower Maryland's offensive line. So it'll be really interesting to see how they adjust. Um, and then on the other end, uh, I think Maryland, you know, they, the Michigan State, you know, they return a lot of experience in that front seven. And uh, Danelle Brown, he's been a guy that's been tabbed as, you know, one of those uh, primary pass rushers. Kellen Wyatt, he's another guy who was listed as a jack as well today. Um, and I mentioned on Inside the Black and Gold, I see him being, you know, an integral piece in that outside linebacker, that that pass rushing uh, rotation. Um, so can Maryland, which is probably Maryland's biggest question mark on defense, you know, will Maryland be able to generate uh, both of those things to take advantage of really uh, an unstable uh, situation at quarterback for the Spartans? So uh, there'll be a couple different things to watch. Um, I, I think I, right now I have Maryland winning this, but – uh, in, that, in this first five, this is definitely the one that uh, I feel maybe most uneasy about. And gut tells me it's going to be maybe a seven to 10 game, seven mm -hmm. to 10 point game. Well, Mason pointed out when Tucker got to Michigan State, that's really hard to build a long term competitive team if you rely on transfers a lot. And he struck gold at first. And the returns haven't been as good since, since he got that big contract. He had a really good first year. And they locked him up long term. So as far as importance for somebody's career type thing, Tucker's got to start feeling it because and if Maryland can take them down and they don't have a great season, it's going to look like one of the worst investments in the history of college football. The amount of money they paid him in the length of that contract. And Maryland has gotten close there. But th this is supposed to be the difference. This is where they say, hey, we've got our guys. We understand what it takes to win. And you hope that they can come through. If you can win this game, you start to build some confidence. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, what, two, two of the games in uh, in East Lansing, I think, were really bad weather. I think the last one was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the last one was, was a really, really strange game. Maryland came out and they looked absolutely awful. And then the weather got bad as the game kept going yeah. on. Maryland got closer and closer and closer. And I think it was one of those spots where either – they fumbled or Leah threw an interception and, and that was just it. It slammed the door on them when they were, yeah. when they were close. I remember the, the first loss, I think at Michigan state was the season finale. Uh, yep. In, in Lochte's first year, which is, I mean, I hate to say it, but it was an encouraging loss. There were a couple, you know, you know, points that, you know, that they kind of carried over into the next season. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be, I think this is Maryland's most winnable chance going into the matchup. I would say so, and and I just pulled up a couple of previews while you guys were talking about Michigan State. Some like you know those last second bold prediction articles that come out, and and looking at at where they're at. And, and Wayne, to your point, I mean everything is pointing towards that. You know, there's multiple of them from Michigan State writers saying, well, the expectation that Mel Tucker was going to be, you know, the next Nick Saban is kind of out the window, and can he even put together a run like Mark D'Antonio did at Michigan state in terms of football? Can they even get back to that point? And, and you start reading the question marks of this team, obviously quarterback has been something that Michigan state struggled with now for a handful of years. Uh, they, they have two guys on the roster right now, still yet to name a starting quarterback, but the, the, just the sources point to, you know, did, did you make a bad decision in East Lansing? I mean, that that's all it's about right now. 
And look, you're going to play against a team that's going to want to run the football a ton, that's going to play really, really strong run defense, has a good front seven, as Ahmed mentioned earlier. And it's going to be a test in the trenches. If you're going to allow a team to run for 250 yards, I think this is the first time you'll see that. And if you're going to allow a team to blitz you pretty much every play of the game, I would not be surprised if you also see that in this one. So I think it will be a tell for Maryland, but uh, I also have them coming away with a win in this one. I just think that the Terps have too much firepower. They're going to be able to get the ball to the outsides and kind of expose Michigan State's lack of ability to pass the football. And, and really, I think this will start to see, you know, Johnson and and Kimbensote really step up on the inside of the line along with like Jordan Phillips and Trey Colbert and they'll they'll be able to pack it in and stop the run you'll finally see the benefit of the recruiting that Maryland did on the defensive line three plus years ago and that's pretty interesting if we're right then that's four and oh Ahmed you've watched a lot of Leah running around back there and he has matured is he effective if the offensive line isn't isn't great can he play on the run um, if mentally he can stay consistent, yeah, uh, I would say that. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest concern is the offensive line falls through, uh, the emotional maturity that we kind of saw him take that standpoint, the emotional stability, uh, I think in, in game, uh, I think is kind of maybe where we saw his drive last year. Um, you know, can he maintain that? If not, maybe take the next step. Uh, and I think if you know, maybe if that's the case, I think that can kind of help in terms of just efficiency, in terms of um, staying patient uh, with your read rather than, you know, trying to force it. You know, especially if the offensive line is getting beat two or three consecutive series like we saw last year to start out the Penn State game. You know, what you know, how, how does Leah kind of respond and adapt to that? So, um, you know, I, I think he, he has a chance. But um, again, it, it kind of all goes back to the mental aspect in my in my eyes. I think he has grown a bit and I think he's a little more leader like in the press conferences. And I I think, you know, this isn't the NFL where you say, if you got the quarterback, you really got a chance, but I like that line. I think we have a guy that really gives us a fighter's chance and I am waiting for the game where you go, wow, look at what he did. It wasn't going our way. And he came out and he got hot and he won the game. And I think Michigan state could be that game. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about a guy that's rewritten record books and, and all the accolades that I think are deserved just by the play that he's put on the field, for, for everybody, the only question I think is really left for him is, is can he make those plays? Can he change the game? And, and they're going to have opportunities to do that, you know, throughout this season. And, you know, if things go wrong in East Lansing, I think the game against Indiana is also kind of like the next you, – you move on to the next game. And, yeah, it ruins – your probably chance at double digit wins or, or or really checking all your boxes on what you could set out to accomplish in this season. But we've talked about a couple of teams that have coaching, you know, changes or guys on the hot seat, and there will probably be no seat hotter if still remaining in said seat than than what Tom Allen's gonna have when they come to College Park. Indiana coming off a four and eight year last year after another guy that had, you know, great first season, but it, it has not worked out for Tom Allen in Indiana. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, obviously a couple of years ago, they were kind of able to, you know, be that uh, surprise team in the Big Ten. And ever since then, they just really have not been able to do it. Um, you know, they'll they'll have some familiarity on that Indiana staff. They have Walt Bells, the OC, uh, we have Chad Wilt as DC, uh, Anthony Tucker's, uh, he was the former running back coach of Maryland. He's over, uh, he's over on the Indiana staff as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think obviously, you know, the, the, the like you said, the, the seat's probably not uh, any hotter in Bloomington than anywhere else. And, you know, obviously Northwestern will get filled uh, permanently this offseason. But, you know, Indiana is probably probably the second most likely school uh, if Tom Allen can't get it turned, can't get it turned around. And uh, I, I expect Maryland to, to be able to take advantage of the Hoosiers, uh, especially in College Park. Uh, I do think Maryland's kind of the, the better team uh, that kind of Indiana, especially offensively, has some question marks. So uh, I think Maryland should, should be able to uh, capitalize on this one. You know what? I agree. There isn't that <laughs> yeah, much I, I don't... Add. It was too bad that they lost their quarterback to Washington. Now, I can't remember his name at the moment, but when the young man transferred, who was a very exciting quarterback that Indiana had. Michael Bennett. Yeah, this is, a, yeah th- this is a bad sign, and things have not gotten better since. And uh, they look like they're ready to, to hit the reset button in Bloomington. 
Yeah, and it's a team that's probably going to be two and two when they come into College Park. They have a game against Indiana State uh, and and Akron. Akron's a team that's on that bottom bottom tier of college football this year. And then they have Ohio State to start off the season. They'll actually get that first Big Ten on CBS game coming up this weekend. And they have a game against Louisville. And Louisville, I, I guess you could say that one's a toss up, but I think that they're in a stronger spot right now than Indiana. So again pivotal game probably for them i've seen it actually chalked up as a loss everywhere that i've looked when i was prepping for this show nobody thinks that indiana's coming into college park and winning which i will say is probably the first time in maryland stint in the big 10 when you can say that um maybe that first year the inaugural season for the terps where they got that win at uh, in bloomington nobody really had indiana beating maryland that year but over the last years it's been it's been a toss-up game it's been your kind of must win for maryland if they're gonna get the six I think it's in the solid win category this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, I think um, Indiana is probably one of those that I feel probably most comfortable about uh, going into the season. Yeah, Terps roll on then to Ohio State. Uh, obviously, Ryan Day and, and his squad looking to compete for another national championship, another college football playoff appearance. Game right now is on Peacock. A lot of people have been kind of thrown around if they have a flex for this game, if both teams are undefeated coming into it. Uh, guys, can, can they get it done in Columbus? Can they compete? And 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 what do you kind of see for this game? What what is what would make a win for Maryland? Yeah, I think this is going to be a really tough one. Obviously, with Maryland just kind of taking it to Ohio State uh, to the to the end last year in College Park. I think obviously Ohio State. You know, we mentioned beginning of the show. Uh, even Ohio State fans are you know taking note of what Maryland can potentially do this year. Greg McElroy, ESPN analyst, he's, you know, kind of been able to, you know, say, you know, Maryland's a mess around and find out team in 2023. So I think Ohio State's definitely going to have their guard up and not saying that they weren't prepared, but I think, you know, they're going to be extra prepared to, to make sure that, you know, last year doesn't happen. And, you know, we can't forget that Ohio State loves to uh, run up the score against Maryland whenever they can in terms of uh, impressing all the DMV recruits. So uh, I think, you know, Maryland, it's, it's up to them to see if, you know, whether they can, continue to, uh, you know, give a fight to these big dogs like they were able to do last year on the road against Michigan. Uh, I just think Ohio State right now, I think, you know, they, they, they're a very talented team. They do have some question marks at quarterback. You know, Maryland, can Maryland take advantage of that? Uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, I think Ohio State is able to uh, comfortably win this game in Columbus. I have to admit that most of the time, most of my life, Maryland loses this game whether they go in there five and zero or not, they lose this game. But there was the one special season here or there in 1983, North Carolina came here and North Carolina was really good. And Maryland beats them on Halloween, an unexpected win to make that a season in 2001, Maryland had to go to Georgia tech who had enough pro players still left on that Georgia tech team. And Maryland wins in overtime and an unexpected win that one on the road sooner or later, you have to feel that Maryland's going to win one of these games. And it's probably still the first time it happens is going to be unexpected. I'll tell you, if Maryland can get to 5-0, and I'm getting to Columbus. Because one of these times, it's actually going to happen. And like I said, for me, you guys, you know there's, there's more of a season left. But getting to this game and making it a game is a big deal to me. So even if you don't win, are you in the game? Do you have the ball in the fourth quarter and you have a chance? Is it better? Because I think what Mike's going to have to sell to actually get it done here, if it's doable, is that we are getting close. And young man, if you come here, you will matter. And we need some of those four or five stars that don't come here to say, yeah, I can see we almost beat them. And if I come here, my home state school can win that game. And that's what everybody's afraid of. If you talk about the big guys looking at Maryland, Going, geez, if these guys get close to us, that's enough recruiting juice to make a difference. So there's a couple guys, and Ahmed probably knows the, the guy, but one of the guys that was looking at Ohio State, I think selected Maryland, and it got Ohio State's attention. What, what recruit was that recently? Or am I pick, misunderstanding here? Pick, pick Maryland and it caught Ohio State's attention? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Jacob? And well, the name the name isn't probably going to ring a bell with me, but I remember because I've been reading the Ohio State sites because they think, like I said, that Maryland's going to get to five and zero. Oh, that it's it's pretty interesting reading what the big dogs think is happening in College Park this year. 
and almost all of it's positive. So with that, I don't know if Maryland can do it, but man, I want to go to that game five and oh and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of like the picture of, of the game right now for Maryland. Can you get to that game and, and be competitive in it? Can you get to that moment and have, you know, kind of the lights on Maryland? But then at the same time, you really look at it and you say, if they get there and it is on seven o'clock and it, it gets the NBC flex window, you have to compete in it. You know, you really can't, you can't go out there in the national stage and, and absolutely get blitzed by them. Now, one thing that I will say is, Ahmed, I, I'll take a point from you. Ohio State's going to remember what happened last year, and they're going to come in ready, ready to play, ready to go. They're going to be at home if it's at night. It's going to be a big game. If, even if it's during the day, I'm pretty sure it's homecoming. or has it's it's They always play some significant game against Maryland in that. So they're going to come ready to play on their field. And I think for Loxley, for Maryland, we talked about emotional maturity from the quarterback. I think it's from the team to come into that game ready to go, know that they're going to come out and they're going to you know, they're going to punch you in the map. They're going to be ready to play, and you have to be ready to handle that from that perspective. We'll pick up the pace a little bit going from here on. That's kind of like the first half of the season, if you want to take it that way. Obviously, you know, some ups and downs, some some pivotal games we've already pointed out. Maryland then hosts a game that I have circled. It's homecoming for the Terps. Uh, Illinois comes to College Park uh, off of what was a absolute game-changer year, in my opinion, for the Illini with Brett Bielema now at the helm. Talk about pass rushers. I think Illinois has got the one, the best one in the league, Ahmed. Yeah, Drazon Newton. I think, you know, obviously former Maryland commit, uh, potential first round pick next year. Uh, I think this Illinois game is probably going to be, you know, the, you know, maybe the, the toughest game that's not one of the big dogs. Uh, I think a lot of people are picking Illinois is probably, you know, maybe that, that dominant team uh, in the Big Ten West that's not, you know, the the Minnesota or excuse me, the Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, so I think Illinois, you know, they, they definitely have high expectations as well. So I think with these teams, you know, that it'd probably be, uh, be interesting to see, you know, maybe if this game gets flexed at all, uh, what, what, the, what, the, what, what that possibility looks like. But I think uh, Maryland is definitely going to be tested uh, on both sides of the ball. So I think Illinois is um, – really going to make this a game definitely expect this to go into the fourth quarter i look at illinois one tough football team with a tough coach and that they they play big 10 football the way that it used to be played and it's going to be a, a real uh show of different cultures i think by that point maryland's going to have their act worked out and they're going to be a possibly a candidate to be the greatest show on turf if everybody's still upright and they have a good week at ohio state whether they win or they lose against a smash mouth football team that's out there to beat you up as much as they are to win on the scoreboard and we'll see which style wins but this is a game i'm actually afraid of if you don't play well against ohio state this is going to be this is probably not going to go well for maryland so you could start out five and oh and now you're five and two yeah and then we roll right into chicago terps uh get their first trip to northwestern with fans uh in the building uh you don't remember, I'm sure a lot of Maryland fans actually don't. Uh, the beginning of the COVID year, Maryland took their first trip to Evanston. It was a disaster, to say the least. It was a ugly game for Maryland. Uh, Northwestern, obviously, all, all the big news stories point to them, what's going on with Pat Fitzgerald there. A, a game that I kind of had circled with a little bit of concern, just to, given the Terps struggle on the road, Northwestern style of play, their defense, and, and kind of being an up-and-down program. This one... I think we all have solidly in the win win column at this point. Yeah, Maryland should be able to take care of business in, in this one. So uh, I think I think Maryland comes out comfortably uh, on top of this one. The game was supposed to be at Wrigley because Northwestern was going to rebuild their football stadium and make it. I've seen the drawings. It was supposed to be spectacular, a concert venue, a football stadium, a, a real jewel of a ballpark. But but what happened there, Mason? Yeah. Plans and no more. The city of Evanston shot down Northwestern Stadium redesign plans, not really wanting the big venue, especially with the concerts, um, not needing that. So Ryan Field it is. Ryan Field is also going to go over, still going to have some renovations done to it, just like they did the basketball arena there. But um, all that Welsh Ryan family money and still not getting past the town of Evanston uh, for Northwestern. So we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, I think that was one that a lot of Maryland fans had had circled just to see the Terps play at Wrigley. But Northwestern just can't get it done with the redesign. I did. I mean, uh, yes, I want to go to Chicago and see the game, but I really want to see a football game 
in Wrigley Field. It is not to be. So who's up next for Maryland? Yeah, Terps then, uh, they'll host Penn State, obviously a game that everybody always has circled in College Park, Maryland. Uh, last year, I think that was the biggest sign of, of disaster in the season, that, that in the Wisconsin game. Last time the Nittany Lions came to College Park, Maryland, close, but a late pick six uh, let that one go with a final score not to be remembered for Maryland, 31-14 Penn State. Uh, Terps, Wayne mentioned the uniforms. I like to keep that out of these podcasts as much as possible. Uh We'll see if they actually pull out the gold uniforms. If uh, if you remember way back when they they had a gold uniform spec, and I don't think they ever actually wore those in the Randy Edsel or once in the game against Boston College when they tried to do this last time. So we'll see what happens with that. Ahmed, obviously a big one for recruiting, big one for personnel. Another one where you'll probably see some trash talk and some jawing out on the field. What do you see from the Terps? Yeah, I think, you know, Ben say I think, you know, this is, uh, you know, sorry, a lot of Maryland fans definitely not going to like me saying this, but I think this is a Ben State team that, you know, they can disrupt the Big Ten. Um, I can see them. I think, you know, I think the Penn State-Ohio State game is uh, in Columbus this year, and I think believe they host Michigan, uh, if memory serves correct. Um, you know, I, I could see them, you know, just like they did a couple of years ago. They go down to the wire against Ohio State. Um, I could see them beating Michigan. Uh, I, I think that, you know, between the tandem of uh, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, uh, getting Olu Fashanu back, who's probably going to be the number one offensive lineman selected next year. Obviously, Drew Aller, you know, he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, prove it in a large volume just yet. But I think that he has big play potential, whether it is through the air or on the ground. Like, I think there are a lot of traits to like about him. And, you know, it's he's not going to be required to be, you know, um, like Caleb Williams esque, you know, he has he does have some pieces. Uh, you will see how the wide receiver room, Dante Sevis, uh, wide receiver transfer from Kent State. So, they, you know, obviously, and defense side of the ball, uh, Chop Robinson, uh, Kalen King, both of those guys, uh, and Olu Fashanu, but all three of those guys were expected to go uh, in the top 16 in the uh, latest ESPN knock draft. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be very, like, you know, this Penn State team is very good. Um, don't, don't uh, definitely. Don't think anyone's overlooking them, but um, they are probably going to be as tough as an Ohio State and a Michigan. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, last year we saw Maryland offensive line, you know, they look good and Penn State did a really good job of you know, overloading really the offensive line, overloading the weak points. And, you know, it rattled Maryland's offense uh, and they were playing from behind from the beginning. So uh, I, I think, I think, you know, if Maryland's going to able to do that, I think that'll be, I think that'll be uh, be a good thing. Yeah, when I look at this game, Ahmed, I agree with you. I think that this is really for me. This is the year of of judgment on on James Franklin for Penn State. If they're going to ever really get to that next level, I think it's with this team, with the defense they have, mainly with Manny Diaz still on the staff. You know, I think I think that they're well positioned for this. Now, my big question mark is: Are we going to see the Drew Aller that showed up at Purdue when they tried to put him in when Sean Clifford got hurt last year? Obviously, that was his first game as a college player. Or are we going to see the guy that Penn State thought they got when they recruited Drew Aller? Uh, I think that's the big question mark for them. But in terms of what Maryland's got, if you have question marks on the offensive line, this is not an opponent you want to see lining up against you. Uh, I think the Terps will be under pressure in this game. And and uh, again, I'll, I'll agree with you, Ahmed, on another point. Maryland fans aren't going to like this. But out of the three big dogs, I think this is Maryland's probably least likely win this year. Penn State's going to line up. They're going to run the ball hard they're gonna they're gonna play play action that's something that maryland struggled with biting on those and if if last year's any sort of tell this is probably going to be a rough day in college park it'll be a fun day because i think maryland penn state always brings out the most the rowdiest and the best maryland fans but uh it's probably gonna be a tough day i yeah. dislike penn state probably at this point more than i dislike duke and basketball so this is going to could be a really hard day for me. And I don't think James Franklin's ever going to win anything there. There's just something he's had the chances to break through. He, they have the same problem that everybody else does, which is they have to play Michigan and Ohio state every year. And they have not found a way to beat Michigan and Ohio state in the same year. I don't think he's a great recruiter. I actually like the guy and I knew him when he coached at Maryland but I don't think that he's a coach at the level that you have in Michigan or at Ohio state. And when it gets to crunch time, 
they lose these games they should win. They should have beaten Ohio State last year. They should have beaten Ohio State a few years ago in Columbus. They just couldn't get it done. So they're going to be really good, but I don't think they're going to be great. And that's a one of those questions that as a Penn State fan, and we know a lot of them, sooner or later you got to answer, you got to ask an answer, no matter how much money we spend, is it possible that this guy's going to get it done? Because being 11 and 2 or wherever they end up is not good enough. And that's the one thing I like about Penn State is they really do expect to win. And 11 and 2 is not enough. Um, unfortunately, I sort of agree with you guys. It's going to be a really tough game. And we're going to have to listen to three and a half hours of We Are. Uh, all dressed in white and all happy, and the Maryland fans will be crying again. But, hey, that's the price you pay for playing in the Big Ten. And when the schedule changes, which will be next year, I'm actually going to miss playing them. One of the best things about the Big Ten, whether we win or we don't, is we got to play Penn State every year. All right, back to you. And we'll see what what kind of goes. Speaking of playing in the Big Ten, Terps will take a trip to Nebraska. I mean – this one, I don't even know if you can talk about it at this point in the season. Matt Rule starting off his tenure uh, in Lincoln. A lot of changes on the roster. A lot of question marks still unanswered for it. A lot of people have this one as Maryland's like unlikely loss, a game that they probably should win, that they lose. Uh, I, I don't see that. I don't think this this is going to get off to a good start for Matt Rule as much as I like him as a coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think this is just kind of a game where it, I don't know why why people would say that i personally i you don't know what maryland's gonna look like in november you don't know what nebraska's gonna look like in november uh we don't know what depth is gonna look like in november um so it's a complete wild card game in my eyes but i do think it's gonna be an exciting game uh obviously nebraska is probably gonna lose uh eric gilbert uh who was the star tight end for previously from uh from uh, i believe lsu um but uh but yeah really Really interesting game, you know, just kind of what Nebraska is able to do. Obviously, I think there's a lot of excitement. Uh, I think said it before in a couple shows before that, but uh, I think the Nebraska Maryland Nebraska game has the potential to be the highest scoring game uh, in conference play this year. Wow, uh, that I didn't see coming, but but good yeah, point. I can definitely see that. I I agree with the. You don't know what you're going to get by that point. A lot of games have been played, uh, and we got Maryland winning most of them, and. Uh, Mason, I got a chance to go to Nebraska four years ago. Yeah, I mean, five. Max Bortenschlager's debut. Yeah, Max got to play. A great place to watch a game. And I, I don't know what either one of these teams is really going to look like at this point. Uh, we'll go with that. And yeah. I guess we'll, we'll, who's left on the schedule, Mason? Yeah, Michigan and Rutgers after that. But last point in Nebraska is I think you could – you could see a team that's super amped up to play for their new coach and they've won a couple games. They probably shouldn't have, or you can end up in, in the reverse of that, which is a team that's quit and they're going to have, you know, 30 plus transfers slash, you know, roster turnover come two weeks from them. So it, it's, it's really is the true toss up uh, last two. Let's just bundle them together. Cause you know, at this point we're deep November, who knows what's going to be going on Michigan, which is, a, you know, another big dog opponent, probably going to be playing for a college football playoff spot at that point. And Rutgers, who, if, again, hot seat coaches, we might see one uh, come late November in Piscataway. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Michigan, uh, you know, their offensive line is probably uh, probably top in the Big Ten, probably make, has a argument for top in the country, uh, if not one of the best. Um, so I think it'll be tough. You know, I think Michigan, they're going to think they have a viable con- uh, chance to, you know, make, make that – playoff push again um but we'll see you know i think you know maryland you know we talked about you know the ohio states penn states whatnot uh you know with it being at home uh maryland has not exactly fared well against michigan at home but uh you you, you hope that you know maybe with talia's last game if, if they're able to to kind of maybe play inspired and pull that one off and then Rutgers, you know i, I think maryland is just from a talent level perspective i think they're just uh, just a level higher so i i do expect maryland to take care of business in that one I think Maryland gets to Michigan probably around seven and three and leaves that game at seven and four and gets the eighth win in New Jersey and gets the Music City Bowl and everybody's happy and it was a good year. And yeah. you you go back and go, boy, if they could have just won one more game, but and I'm gonna pick the Illinois game being the game that they really thought they could have won and maybe they should have won, but they didn't win. 
and eight and four is still a pretty good season. Well, Wayne's on the over. That was our next. That was our next uh, topic in, in one of our last ones here on the on the season preview. Uh, Terps over under Ahmed, depending on where you look, seven seven and a half. Uh, kind of been creeping up pretty steadily since it since it came out. Uh, I've got the over. I think it's a nine and three year for Maryland, but there's going to be one that they should have probably won that you wish they had back, and and one that maybe they were looking like they were out of uh, that they steal. Don't really know which games games that those are going to be, but I just kind of have that strange feeling that they're going to be that one or two plays away from really having a double digit season, being on 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 the edge of it, and then next year we'll roll into. Uh, new quarterback and th- this kind of phase of Maryland football will be closed and Loxley will really have his program being his program from that point on. So just before you go to Ahmed at nine and three and they won a game, they shouldn't have won and lost a game. So you have them beating either Ohio state, Michigan or Penn state. So which one I do. And my lean, my lean really is that they'll be, have a chance against Michigan um, just being that, I think you can get to that point in the season and Michigan's going to be really one looking ahead towards playing Ohio state probably for the playoff. And I think that that is the truly the game that Maryland as a team feels that they left on the field last year, the Ohio state game. Yeah, they were in it late, but they made a couple of mistakes. The Michigan game. If you look at the, the dropped kickoff at the beginning of the game, um, you, if you watch all their content from the offseason, you really look at it close. They're talking about that Michigan game. They have the Michigan game up on the scoreboard at CQ Stadium when they're practicing or working out. That's the one that they have highlighted. It's at College Park. I think Michigan's going to come ready to play. But if you had to pick, if you had to pick one, which you just did, I'm, I'm taking the Michigan game. Yeah, I'll probably go the over. Um, you know, right now, I don't feel, I think, you know, um, I don't feel if I had to put it in order in terms of most to least likely uh, to beat the big three, uh, most likely I would agree. I think maybe Michigan at home uh, and I'd say least likely being on the road at Ohio State, um, uh, but Penn State at number two. Um, and I just think, you know, Michigan, I think last year, like you said, you know, just kind of the way it ended. Um, it, just from a personal standpoint, I think Maryland will have definitely some some, you know, some some hurdles that they'll have to kind of address, you know, especially in the trenches. You know, Michigan's offensive line, you know, that's a very very strong unit. Um, and you know, if Maryland's able to pull that off, it'll be a testament to that defensive line depth that you know we've been kind of cautiously optimistic about. And you know, even with you know replacing three starters from last year, um, but I do think that they'll they'll get over. Um, I was debating on whether I was going to say. Eight and four, nine and three, and I'm going to go with nine and three. Um, from the simple perspective of, I think Illinois is that toss up, but Maryland's at home, and I'm going to give the edge to Maryland on that. Um, Michigan State on the road is that second tough, not tough one, but toss up, simply because it's more of a road game. But you know, if that player led culture and you know Loxy talking about the players, and I know a lot of people think that's you know coach speak, but it's not bullshit because, you know, when your players, you know, when, when your team feels like it's, you know, together and there is that chemistry, um, you know, that it, it helps. Uh, and I think, you know, with, with Maryland kind of being able to generate some positive momentum in the first three weeks, uh, if they take care of business, like we have talked about, um, then yeah, I think they'll, they'll, they are the better team and they'll be able to, um, show that, uh, with, with a road win. Um, and then the, you know, maybe the third toss up game is again, Nebraska, but, Again, I think it just kind of goes down to uh, with the first-year head coach with so many new transfers, you don't really have much of a team identity, team culture. And I think especially when you get through conference play, uh, through the heart of conference play, when you start taking those hits and those, you know, the, the depth starts to get a little bit more thin, uh, I think that that's when it starts to show. So I think even with it being in Lincoln, uh, I think Maryland will be able to, to be able to pull that off. So uh, that's what leaves me confident. And every Maryland fan, I think this is going to be a question I kind of have for you guys because, you know, nine and three season, you know, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen nine regular season wins. But in my scenario, that would include losses against all three big dogs. So uh, I'd be very curious. I do think that Maryland fans would be happy with a, you know, nine win regular season. But, you know, it's the same narrative. Did you beat the big dogs? And the answer in this case would be no. So I would, I would be would be curious to see what the general feedback is. And, you know, uh, for any fans that are listening, definitely tweet at us, Chris, on Inside the Black and Gold for 
what your thoughts are, but um, I, I think that again goes you go as far as your offensive line, uh, but I think if, if the offensive line holds up, yeah, nine wins. Yeah, on the more joking side of things, I was I was talking to somebody about a pretty pretty similar thing when you when you get close to being very good in, in anything, kind of what what keeps happiness for, for people, and I think perspective is needed when it comes to if you have nine wins and you lose to all three big dogs, what's your reaction? Um, if somebody walked up to you when Maryland joined the Big Ten and said, hey, in you know the next 10 years, they're going to have seasons where they have nine wins. They win at Nebraska. They beat, you know, the classic Big Ten teams of, you know, Illinois, even though they're not great, but they beat the teams they should have. They go to East Lansing and they win. What do you think that person's reaction would be? Do you think they would take that season? I'm going to say 10 out of 10 times the answer to that is yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's just something that needs to stay in your mind. Now, it's always tough when they lose a game on a field goal or they fumble or they just don't show up or, or whatever list of things happens. But I think to answer your question, at least from my perspective, would love to hear what people think in the comments as well. You have to take that. I think you would be stupid not to, just given that we haven't really seen Maryland be in that spot. They haven't gotten in that position. If they were there for three years in a row and then they botched it, you could say, okay, now I'm angry. But really, can you really be upset about that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just think from the from the perspective of like the um, you know beating beating the big like that's that's what you hear. But I do agree. Like uh, you know, if if Maryland ends nine and three, like are you telling me that if they go on the recruiting trail and they're not going to be able to generate momentum? Of course they are. Of course it'd be a huge win. And then you know nine and three, and then potentially you go to a bowl game to pick up uh, pick up win ten. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so those expectations that we talked about at the beginning of the show, I think I think the trio just magnified them. So, okay, if you're in those games, if you you can lose the big three, but you got to be in the games. Rarely in life do you go from losing these games, the way Maryland was, to just winning them. And I think last year you finally saw a progression to say it's possible. So if you can make it close, and I know it hurts to lose by that field goal, and go look not only to win the nine games, but we were in the game. Maryland Nation did not turn the game off at halftime. They stuck with it. Then, yeah, you're going to be happy. If they win nine games but lose to the big three by 100 points or more in total, you're still going to say, look, however you got there, you couldn't even compete. And that's the part that drives the fans crazy, I think. But, yes, we'll see what the public has to say about this. Hey, even if they if they win eight and they beat South Carolina in the bowl game, I'll be happy. <laughs> that, that 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 is the that one. Would I be the matchup. Maryland South Carolina bowl projections. I just that I, I'm not a big bowl game guy. I skipped the bowl game last year. I know Wayne went, but I, I just Duke's Mayo Bowl against NC State. I I'm kind of in that bucket of people that just can't get around to the bowl games that all the players skip. But if they're playing South Carolina, I don't even care if it's the real Quest Bowl and Phoenix, I'll be there. Or I guess that's the guaranteed rate bowl now. Right. The real quest got an upgrade to the formerly known Outback Bowl. Okay. Um, it's, the, it's the Under Armour Bowl. If you get South Carolina and Maryland, yeah. you got your Under Armour Bowl. Loser gets Puma. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, that that's a season preview. I believe we have 9-3, and 9-3, and 8-4. and four. So yeah. I, I, I challenge you to – those of you that are listening to go back and find the last time there were projections from three people that have actually covered Maryland football for it. Now, geez, 10 plus years. Ahmed, I'm not sure when you started, but reach the 10 yeah. year mark for me. Yeah, so this would be, uh, yeah, year nine, actually. Yeah. I, I've been chasing these guys around for, this is my 40th season of trying to go to every game. Yeah. Don't date yourself. But hmm? I think you just did that. <laughs> Say again? I said, don't date yourself, but... Uh, I think I look old enough to say that I've seen a lot of bad football, and I'm hoping uh, I'll take eight, I'll take nine. Just, just go out there and win a few games. All right, anybody have anything else they want to uh, throw out before the ball is kicked at CQ on Saturday? Yeah, I just think, like I said, I think it'll just kind of be interesting just to see, um, you know, the, the rotations and, and you know, uh, like we expect Maryland to kind of take, through, take care of uh, play in non-conference schedule. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see some of the young guys, you know, how, how many of these guys, especially with the four-game redshirt rule, you know, how many of these guys, uh, how they look in their first reps. I think it'll be just kind of uh, a good way to, to kind of open the season. But 
Um, definitely, like we talked about, the schedule sets sets Maryland up well for success uh, if they're they're if they're going to be able to take those eight, nine, ten win seasons. So um, all starts Saturday. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you guys, you guys do a great job. Yeah, make sure to follow Ahmed on Inside the Black and Gold. Full coverage started. Well, it's already started off with Loxie's game week presser. That's the words I'm looking for there. Um, this week, and he'll have notes and all sorts of coverage from CQ Stadium as the Terps take on Towson. We should see a full rotation of Maryland players, as Ahmed just mentioned. All the young guys getting out there. Position group to watch for me this year is the tight ends. Make sure to follow us here on the podcast at YoungTerp1 on Twitter. Subscribe to this if you're watching it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us uh, a nice five-star review. It always helps us out here. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you after the game on Saturday.